0: Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Ruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Ruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound? Visit them on the internet at
1: campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net.
0: To the phone lines we go. Here's a presentation of White Rock Hyundai. That's Hyundai. Get the pronunciation right, folks. White Rock Hyundai. Joining us now, Kevin Woodley, NHL.com, InGoal Magazine, here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Kev? How you doing?
2: I'm good. My work here is done. Everybody can pronounce it now.
0: Yeah, that was uh, the only pronunciation I ever got right from the beginning. Usually, I mangle it, and then sometimes I correct it, sometimes I don't. But this one I got right. Um, You know what? We're gonna. Are we gonna avoid? I'm looking at Bruff right now. Are we gonna avoid the obvious conversation here? We only get to talk to Woodley once this week. You can have it if you want. Thursday night, Roberto Luongo, Ring of Honor. Are you ready to relitigate? I oh, you, you guys
2: just want to talk the whole time about this. I can tell.
0: Yeah. Do you, mm-hmm. want, do you want to start relitigating it now? Do you want to wait for a couple minutes? How do you want to go about this? It's going to... Look, I, can we just... We may as well address the elephant in the room or on the ice or wherever he's going to be. Uh, it's obviously awkward. It's obviously weird. It's obviously... I don't want to say a slap in the face because it's not, but... Just work me through this, Kev. Help me with this one. Where are you on this whole debate that is going to be raging inevitably as we get closer to Thursday?
2: I don't know. I just keep looking at all these. Like, they've done a nice job of promoting Thursday on social media. And, yeah, this merch that comes with it. Um, hoodies and bobbleheads and things to sell. Um, but every time I see the numbers and, and what they post, I'm like, yeah, this, this all kind of screams hanging in the rafters. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of where i'm at right like nothing's changed you know and and you can say that he wanted out um that you know that he did he asked for a trade there's another jersey hanging in the rafters of a guy who asked for a trade a lot more pointedly and did a lot more sort of like actually predates me but if i'm not mistaken held out to get it that's um, correct. the reality is the reality is roberto luongo was shopping or was talking about looking at property here in vancouver before torts sat him out for the the out, quote-unquote outdoor game, the Heritage Classic, and and that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, and new agent had a deal facilitated within days. And maybe it just needed to happen because there was always going to be another Heritage Classic moment waiting to happen for him here in Vancouver, but when you add all he did um, on the ice... Uh, to the Olympic gold, like I know it's not a Canucks thing, but it's in that, like it's in that building, right? Like it happened here. It was a, it was a huge moment, and that was him. Um, it's just hard for me not to feel like, hey, and I'm biased, but it's hard yeah. for me to feel like it shouldn't go up into the rafters. And, you know, hey, if you want to make the Kirk McClain argument, um, especially considering what he's meant since 94 to this team as well, like as an ambassador and all the amazing things that Kirk does. Man, put them both up there. I got no problem with it. If you're going to retire the number, retire the number. So, I mean, you got Casey Smith sworn his whole career. He's obviously not putting it on when he gets here. I don't see anybody else doing it in the future either. So, hang the bloody thing in the rafters.
1: Do you think the Canucks are going to be able to, I guess, focus the conversation where they want it? And that is to actually honor Roberto Luongo. I mean, it is the Ring of Honor. There are some pretty good players in that Ring of Honor. Um, Do you think? Do you think we're going to be able to have like kind of a pure conversation about this without you know in the back of our minds going should be in should be retired should be retired because that's the problem with having like a lower tier of honor. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the top tier of honor is getting your number retired. And then the ring of honor, uh, it's kind of like, it's great for certain guys to get into the ring of honor. But in the back of our minds, when, when a guy like Luongo, who's first ballot Hall of Famer, I was just doesn't saying, get it. In the Hall of Fame, that's you know, where it ends for me. You're yeah, like, no, you're like I, yeah. are, we, are, are the Canucks going to be able to pull this off or is this going to be awkward the whole time?
2: I, I don't know if it'll be awkward because he won't make it awkward. Right, like like the way he handled this last year will probably continue this week, and um, maybe maybe the conversations are. And I honestly, I just don't know. I don't know. Right, like I'm I'm torn. Um, It is a celebration, a celebration of a great career. It just feels like it's a celebration that goes one step too short. And some people will be able to take it for what it is, that celebration. And some people, you know, like myself, will have a little bee in their bonnet.
1: Um, Kev, what do you think the Canucks should do about uh, deploying their, their goalies uh, this week? They got Tampa Bay on Tuesday, then of course the Florida game on Thursday. Uh, Demko has played two of the five game homestand, but Casey DeSmith, when he went in there, played well and he got a shutout. So do you give him another one of these games at home?
2: You know, I'm going to be honest with you because it's been such a busy stretch. You're having – like, I know they've got a bit of a grind of a schedule right after. Yeah, this. they do. They do um, four games in. and
1: six nights after.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I think you save it for that. Um, I think, you know – in part given the uh, the stature of the teams coming in. And, and listen, Tampa's, Tampa's middling right now, and everybody will be like, oh, they didn't have their goaltender, but the reality is they've sort of dropped into a bottom third defensive team as well over the last two years. So the team that leans heavily on its goaltender, and Vassie's and just sort of trying to find his legs a little bit here. Um, but Florida's a wagon, right? So one of the few teams in the NHL with better underlying defensive numbers than the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, these, these are kind of big games. Um, finally won back-to-back consecutive games here the first time since mid-November. It feels like they need to get on a bit of a roll, and you're going to need Casey for that road trip. So I would suspect it's that Stats are both here.
1: Um, what do you think of what's going on in Tampa Bay? I can't get a handle on this team because they are very inconsistent.
2: You know, and and I think they've just bled talent, right? Like, that's what happens when you win, and the salary cap, like, you just keep having... Pieces knocked off around the edges, and and so you rely more on singular brilliance, the singular brilliance of a a Nikita Kucherov. Um, They're still flirting with a top-ten team offensively, but it's in their own end, and that's the other part of this, right? Like, It's hard to get guys to defend hard. Playing the same way year in and year out. Like, that's what's amazing about the job John Cooper has done. As that personnel changes, they need more of it. I know the narrative is Andre Vasilevsky is the greatest goaltender in the world. Hell, we were probably the first ones that didn't go to say, I think this guy's the greatest goaltender in the world. It was a long time ago, pre cups. Um, but the reality is to win, you need more than that. And when they won their cups, They were an elite defensive team as well, and that's kind of eroded. And, you know, part of it is just personnel, as I mentioned, but part of it is it's like it's really hard to get even the guys that stick around to grind for 82 um, when you play as much hockey as they have, like to to buy into what it takes. And I think this is a term that used to get loved and, and hated around Vancouver, but I think to a certain degree defensively teams like that, like there is a bit of a switch to flip. Um, Like, hey, we can get away with this for this long, and now it's time to play like that because we know that's what it takes defensively to win in the postseason.
1: So, Kev, right now, who would you say is the best goalie in the world?
2: In the world? Oh, man. (sighs) That's a, that's I feel actually, like you would have
1: like an, uh, a, kind of like a, a power rankings that you check every day on this sort of thing.
2: I don't. I don't. I don't. Someone asked me about a raw save percentage the other day, and I'm like, I don't even look at that anymore. Like, <laughs> what's a raw save percentage? What the hell are we talking about here? Um, like, to me, this is a conversation that, you know, includes Stature Demko, includes, I, like, Andre Vasilevsky still holds the title until somebody takes it away from him. Um just in part, it's not just the performance. Like even last year, I talked about there, they, they slipped significantly defensively. The year before that, they slipped significantly defensively. Like the, there's a reason um, the sort of cup runs end. And and Andre was the reason that nobody noticed those things uh, in terms of the slippage defensively and, and what they give up. So, and and then the workload, right? Like what he's done over the past number of years, and I realize I'm saying this right after back surgery and and maybe finally some questions about whether he'll be able to do this for, for this much longer, but it's still him just based on, on pedigree. And, you know, there's a number of guys that sort of knocking on that door. There's the Russians, there's Jesterkin, there's Sorokin, there's Demko, um, a handful of American greats. And, and then you see Saros is heating up again, as he always tends to do after, as we get later in the season. And I think he'll be in the Vesna conversation. So, um, for me, Saros is a guy that, that should have been a Vesna finalist last year and can, can probably challenge to be a big part of this conversation for the best goalie in the world. um, it's, it's weird. It's not as deep a conversation as it used to be, and yet there's less certainty at the top of it.
0: You know, it's funny when we talk, you mentioned the American goaltending there, and we talk about, well, there's Demko, and there's Hellebuck, and there's all these guys. Um, Ottinger. Do we now have to like start mentioning that Jonathan Quick is back in the mix? Because I can't believe this. He's 37 years old. He's eight zero and one. Like he's playing a lot. He's too. the Joe
1: Flacco of the NHL. It's
0: crazy, and he did it again last night against the Kings. And what was a very emotional game for him. And uh, you know the, the 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 Rangers have been a wagon. They've been really good. But this Jonathan, quick story. It's actually pretty cool. I don't love the guy, but it's a cool story.
2: Yeah. No. Hey, listen. And this is I, 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 one. You know, I always like to pull up the back padding machine when I get the odd thing right. This is one I got wrong. Like like big time. Um he I, I thought that was a mistake. They got such good minutes out of Yaroslav Halak, especially in the second half of last season. And there was just nothing about Quick's performances statistically over the past two years that said this was coming. Right? Like even like even when he went to Vegas and won a cup, like they kept sort of going through goaltenders and the next man up wasn't Jonathan Quick. Right? Even if Aiden Hill had gotten hurt. Oh my information is if they could have got, you know, held this body together with bailing wire, they would have gone to Logan Thompson ahead of quick. And this is a goalie coach in Sean Burkett in in Vegas that has similar philosophies to what Ben Waller cuz he learned them from him. Ben Waller teaches in in New York and I thought, well, it didn't work with Sean. It hasn't worked for a couple of years. What says it's going to work here? And you know, when I watched him play ahead of their visit here, I did notice. They, like he had he is no longer the crazy, super-hyper-aggressive John Cook. Like, they backed that off in L.A., and that's where the process started. But it seems to have taken even another step here um, with the New York Rangers. Like, I watched a couple games, and the most aggressive I saw him, and it was rarely at that, was the heels at the edge of his crease. And so he's, he, he thinks the game at a really high level. He still can do it physically. It's just, does he put himself in a position to make things simple? And, and right now He is and full marks to him. Talk to him a little bit about what this meant to be back playing for a team he grew up cheering for. And and it is a great story, and I'm sort of glad it happened. I'm, I'm glad I was wrong on this one. And to be honest, he's like... Yeah, you know, he's he's actually outperforming on a per shot basis. A guy that I just sort of included in the best goalie in the world mix, an Igor and Igor Shesterkin. So it's mm. uh, it's a hell of a story.
0: We're speaking to Kevin Woodley here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Kevin is a presentation of White Rock Hyundai. Uh, visit the showroom on King George in White Rock or whiterockhyundai.com. dot uh, com. We talked a lot last week in the aftermath of the Board of Governors meetings in Seattle about international competition, because it looks as though we're getting closer and closer to having uh, what the NHL's plans are going to be, and then the, hopefully, Olympic uh, participation as well. If you had to pick a starting goalie for Team Canada right now, this day of our Lord, December 11th, 2023, who is the number one Canadian netminder right now?
2: What if I told you, amidst all the consternation about Canadian net mining, that there are three in the top ten of goals saved above expected on ClearSight Analytics list right now? And I'd, be, in fact, I'd be happy. The top two are both Canadian because Demko slipped out of that role in these last few games where they're not giving up shots but still just enough quality for the goals to go in. So you're not sort of piling up the, the goals saved above expected. Demko's actually slipped behind these two. Number one is Jordan Bennington, who mm. so is no longer trying to get his face punched in but actually just focused on stopping pucks in St. Louis. And I should add, has done that quite well since he won the Cup. Yeah. Um, the narrative that's bad there it, surrounding the Blues isn't... Like, the bad narrative is that they're good defensively. They're not, and they haven't been for a while, and bennington has been really good. And Aiden Hill's number two. And then I go further down the list, backstopping a team that nobody expected to be where they are at this point in the season, and a guy who has some pedigree himself, Carter Hart. So I don't know that it's quite as dire um, as we might have made out not that long ago. Like, Aiden Hill, prior to the injury um, that he sustained here in Vancouver, actually, leaving that game after the second period, uh, was outdoing what he did in the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. And, yeah, hey, listen, like, Vegas plays a system that that, that is good defensively, but when they give up chances, they're chances that fit Aiden's strengths. Like, they, they're a perfect fit, goaltender to system. And that's part of this. But he's played at a really, really high level. Did it all through the playoffs? I said after they won the Cup, as much as, you know, there are other people for, for the con Smythe, The level he played at in the playoffs, if you do that for a regular season, all season, you win Vesna trophies. And he's actually been slightly better this year. So don't sleep on him. Uh, Obviously, I think Bennington would probably lead the way as long as the antics are, are something they can control. And then Carter Hart is back in the mix after sort of taking a big dip the last couple of seasons.
0: Okay, so make a pick. Who's the guy?
2: Oh, I just want to see Jordan Pennington just for just to see just to see what would happen if it, if things got a little sideways. Like does does he feel like he needs to light a fire under Team Canada? Um, it would probably be Bennington right now. And then here this becomes a very big conversation too. These are three guys with different strengths and weaknesses. Um and as much as we focus on Vegas and Hill and and the fit there, like I think Whoever picks this team can't just be like, ah, oh, here's all the great players and here's the great... Like, you have to actually think about how are you going to play, what style, and sort of choose. Like, what are we willing to give up? Every team gives up great A's. What type of great A's are willing are we willing to give up? And will it fit this guy or that guy?
0: Kev, thanks a lot for joining us today, bud. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the week and as we get closer to Referendum Thursday. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll do this again soon.
2: I'm expecting my radio hits per 60 to pick up this week with Roberto in town.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sure they will. Thanks, Kev. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Uh, Kevin Woodley from NHL.com and InGoal Magazine here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I think you just meant thanks, Guy. Thanks, Guy. Thank, Guy. No, Bruff. Um, Not
3: your buddy, Guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's do what we learn. Uh, I'm going to do the Ethan Bear thing because we... Played one earlier in the show from Thirty Two Thoughts as it pertained to Andre Kuzmenko. New Thirty Two Thoughts pod dropping today. Is it out yet, guys? Do we know yet? Do yeah, we know I just if it's came live. Out. Okay, so we we aired a teaser from Elliot and Jeff earlier about Andre Kuzmenko, following up on Friede's report from Saturday that the Canucks were taking calls on the oft-maligned Russian winger who only has four goals this year. Um, he we then followed up with another clip. We also have a little bit more on Ethan bear for the longest time. It sure seemed as though Ethan bear was going to become a member of the Vancouver Canucks. I don't want to say it was fait accompli, but it sure sounded like the Canucks and bear were content in playing the waiting game. As he recovered from shoulder surgery from an injury that he suffered at the world's and that he would one day be reunited with the team that he closed last year with. Well, Maybe not so fast. What do we got here, Laddie? We got some audio from Friedman Merrick from 32 Thoughts. More on the Ethan Bear situation?
4: You summed it up pretty well.
0: Okay, do we have a potential suitor? You know what? I'm not even going to try and spoil it. Let's just hear now. 32 Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman, Jeff Merrick. The latest on Ethan Bear.
5: You know, I think it it sounds like it's going to be Washington. It it sounds like the Capitals um, are the team here. No 100% confirmation, but... Um, you know, there were a few teams that were in on bear that pointed me in that direction, said they think that Washington, um, has been aggressive. Um, the other thing that they said is that, um, they are like a bunch of teams are hoping to get bear in for whatever they could this year and would then sign them to another contract in the summer. And you know, Washington, it sounds like is prepared to offer a little bit of term. So there's an advantage to Bear taking their taking their offer now as opposed to teams that'll say, Hey, we'll sign you now and then we'll do something in the summer. Because I can understand Ethan Bear wanting a bit more security after what he's been through. Now we'll find out if all of this turns out to be true, but that's what other teams suspect.
1: So I think uh, the Canucks, if they have a hesitancy uh, of giving Ethan Bear a term, I don't blame them one bit um, because we don't know what he's going to look like returning from this injury. Um, and the Canucks still have some huge decisions to make on the back end. We expect them to re-sign Philip Peronek. Right? What the numbers gonna be. Is it gonna be a tough nego- negotiation? It might be, but we expect them to be back. So you got Hronik, and you got Hughes and you've got Susie. Those are the only three guys that we can pretty much say, Yeah, they'll be back next season. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Tyler Myers a pending UFA, Nikita Zorov, pending UFA, Ian Cole, pending UFA. Even like you got Mark Friedman, he's he's pending UFA. Yeah. Right. What certainty is it for the rest of the team? And in a way, I kind of think the Canucks, they just don't want to commit. They don't they don't want to sit there and go, okay, we've got this Ethan Bear contract that's just kind of annoying to us, right, when mm-hmm. we're trying to do this stuff, yep. right? And Ethan Bear might want like a $2 million cap hit. And even though the cap is going up next season, the Canucks have an OEL buyout that they're dealing with. So that's going to take some of that rise in the salary cap out. And they've also got to give, again, they've got to give PD a big raise. They've got to give Hronik a big raise. The more flexibility you have, the better for any team. And you might say, well, it's only like a small contract, to Ethan Barrett's like, yeah, but they all count. We've seen this.
0: Yeah, um, it's weird. I kind of dug into the Washington thing a little more, and it's a weird sort of fit because – on the right side, if they're going to go right-handed, like they've kind of got those spots filled in Washington, it's Carlson, Nick Jensen, and then JVR's brother TVR. And they's TVR still in the in the league, yeah, and he plays regularly. But I guess he can play uh-huh. both sides. I guess the bigger thing is. Um, if Washington, Washington did express interest in Bear when he was a healthy scratch in Carolina and they were ready to move him, remember yeah. that. So Washington was one of the teams rumored to be interested. So let's guess it's not hugely surprising, but um, they're like they, Washington's kind of a. a a middling team. I'm surprised that they would want to offer. Yeah, it is weird to me. It's yeah. Weird to me, right? I guess there's something there that maybe doesn't necessarily meet the eye or maybe I granted, I don't know a ton about the Washington capitals blue line depth, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I do know that at, at first blush, it was kind of like, well, this isn't exactly like screaming out for a need for this team. That's also kind of in this weird holding pattern. I guess if they're looking to stay in a quote unquote competitive window, mm-hmm. bringing in a guy like bear who can produce points, Right, I mean, he can give them something that maybe they're lacking on the back end. But as it pertains to the Vancouver Canucks, you know, I've got enough faith in both pro scouting and Alvin's ability to make deals and make trades in this market that they can address what they either want or need um, in other ways than just signing bear off the street. And maybe again, it's weird we- having faith in the management to find guys, huh? I am very happy kind with the, I'm very happy with the work that they've done on the trade trade market for two mm-hmm. reasons. One, you have to give them context that it's an incredibly difficult landscape to make a deal. The Vancouver Canucks, Patrick Alvine, Jim Rutherford and everybody else represent what? 60% of the trades that have gone on in the NHL this year, close to it. So they get credit for that. They also get credit for the fact that a lot of the things that they have targeted and identified have been great. I think Lafferty was a good find. Um, I liked all of the moves that they made in free agency. That they were sort of guys that well, fit. What talk how about wanted getting to Casey DeSmith? Be. Casey DeSmith was a very nice move. Uh, you know, uh, and they've moved Ian Cole on a one-year deal. They've He's moved been, pieces on the know. chessboard, right? Bovillier out, Zadorov in. They've mm-hmm. done a nice job. It's it's very competent management.
1: So and it's like a chessboard that has way too many pieces on it. Well, that's the problem. problem like it's right? very difficult to move. There's not enough squares. There's too many horses. <laughs> All right, give us a mook out on that. What we learned, get you what we We learned. That horse, a lot of Uh, animal noises. Get you what we learned into the Dunbar Lumber Text line at 650. 650. Uh, we're gonna pick the com the contest winners to the Canucks tickets for uh, is it Thursday's game? Uh, Thursday's game against the Florida Panthers, the Roberto Wongo going into the Ring of Honor, and there's also some wrestling tickets if you like wrestling. We're giving away some wrestling tickets, so um, we're going to make those calls in the next two minutes. So get your What We Learned in. We'll read them on the other side of the Halford & Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
4: Big opinions and good bets. It's the people Show with Big Nizar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh god, this is always dead.
3: It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show.
0: 8.33 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Brough of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at Campbell-Pound.com today.
3: All right. We got
0: to get to the humanoids here. We got giveaways galore. A dog is going to be put to the test because he has not one, not two, but three texts that he needs to read. That's right. Three texts. But we got to print them out first before we do anything. Fire up that detonator. Uh, What we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, risk mitigation, and monthly audits at $200 off. Visit them online at getfireplan.com. Oh my. Hey dog I'll give you a moment. Are you ready to do this? Yes. What are we going to start with? I'll tell you what we're going to start with. Oh, okay. We're going to start with the winner of Fright Night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the running joke there is Congratulations. that we had, a, we had a promo for Friday Night Smackdown, which makes sense, but it was written Fright Night Smackdown in the promo read. And then I, Ron it to the finest, Open the show by saying we're giving away tickets to Fright Night SmackDown, and then I was like Fright Night in January.
3: <laughs> January's a new you know, like color, a Halloween man. thing,
0: and then we tried to shoehorn it in. We're like, eh, there's a scary there's, time of the year.
3: There's Halloween too now. It's, there's like a, sec- a sequel to <laughs> Halloween.
0: Anyway, the winner, January fifth, WWE's Friday Night SmackDown
3: is. Uh, well, I'll read the whole thing because so I don't want to give away the ending. Uh, what we learned... Uh, Mr. Flex. Dracula. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> what we learned, uh, Flex Emoji. I'd love to attend Friday Night Smackdown with one of my girlfriends. Chances are we'll still both be single by my bloody Valentine's Day. Leia the Impaler in Chilliwack. Congratulations, Leia. A
0: lot going on in that
3: text. Congratulations, yeah, She, uh, she uh, Leia. of course, is referencing your famous uh, at the old station... Uh, Valentine's Day wrestling promotion.
1: <laughs> I so, believe you uh, called
3: the listeners losers. Thousands, or losers. thousands of losers. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't even
1: us. It was someone who texted in on what we learned. <laughs> it's true.
3: Well, you took the flak for it.
0: Yeah, it was like uh, you definitely won't be kissing a significant other on Valentine's Day. So go watch some wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so there you go. Congratulations to was it Leia the Impaler? Yeah, cool name. Yeah, uh, let's give the Canucks tickets away. Thursday game against the Panthers, which is the undercard because the 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 prize fight really is Roberto Luongo versus the Ring of Honor. <laughs> Uh, anyway, go. Give the tickets away.
3: <laughs> what we learned, ticket emoji. I learned that Bobby Lou taught me a lot about how to conduct myself in the workplace, from learning how to just make simple small talk about the weather to going to the washroom to avoid work. <laughs> if I'm able to watch my hero, I may finally have the confidence to tell my boss that my contract sucks so I can get that sweet, sweet raise. Jared in the Flats. Uh, Congrats, very well done, Jared in the Flats. I like, that, that, one. Flats. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah.
0: Enjoy Thursday night. Just be happy with whatever, whatever level of the arena
1: he gets up to. Do, do you think Luongo kind of makes a joke about the Ring of Honor and not having it He's like, the tension? I bet yeah. he doesn't. Mm. He okay. Should just spend okay. the whole ceremony. I, I bet he references yeah. it in some way throughout. Some uh, throughout. I, I guess would would it only be the ceremony? Like he's gonna if he comes on the on a Vancouver radio station, like he's gonna get asked about it in some small way. So this is
0: where I don't know um, if like the hardcore Canuck fandom branches over to just, like, the, I call them the normies, like mm-hmm. people that have real lives and don't fixate on this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because there's going to be some people that go to the game and are just like, oh, they're celebrating Lawonga. They're not going to realize that there's this whole subtext and conversation about how this great <laughs> achievement is actually a slap in the face. <laughs> and it's not. But, again, like, that's where we've decided to litigate and re-litigate and re relitigate right? So I don't know. I, I think basically what I'm saying is I don't know – if the subtlety of a, of a of a little dig from Luongo will be lost.
1: You know what I mean? I'm Just wondering if he's gonna. That's what I'm saying. Like I get why, because he's got a good sense of humor, and he could be like, "Oh, it's not." You know, it'd be funny if he, if he like, it's such an honor to be up there, and then he points at the jerseys and then goes like, "Oh, wait a minute, not there, Uh, right there, over there," because, and oddly enough, his name is going to be right above the press box, the
4: illuminated ring in the second section of the arena. (laughs) He needs to just stare, you know, forlorn at the numbers and just have a single tear drop down. I mean, it would be kind of funny if he looked up
1: at the retired numbers and then goes oh i'm sorry sorry and then looks over the ring of honor yes i guess okay
0: funny would be the word for it okay what we learns. uh we're oh no you have one more oh would you be outraged how dare he i'm you know what i'm like you i'm not coming into work on friday Oh Thursday! I cast the Thursday's out. the one. Thursday, Actually, you know Thursday's what? Thursday's the know one. What? <laughs> it's not Friday. <laughs> Woohoo, four day weekend. I'm not doing Thursday or Friday show. Forget that. Yeah, that'd be
1: uh, some. A lot of people texting. Me be like, uh, he should mention like the Hall of Fame, and right. then how he's like, and also now I'm in the Ring of Honor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey dog, you have one more job. So this came courtesy. Uh, I we really appreciate this listener. He went out of his way to write this really long thing, and he emailed it in directly to the station so we're going to give him his flowers i don't know
3: who it is i know kind of what it's about but go a dog uh, what we learned there are some cool poems in the world and with apologies to clement clark moore here is a christmas present to all of you Twas some days before christmas and all through the station the hosts were all vying to be the best in the nation for all the time the sports teams are rocking hosts fill the airwaves with plenty of talking they chat through their segments and book the top guests who help them look good, making Sportsnet the best. Who are these brave souls, opining without shame? All legends and heroes, we call them by name. Now Satyr, now Drancer, now Bachelor, and Nixon. <laughs> on Riccio, Randy, well thank you, on Daughter and Bixen. But the greatest of them, as we all do know, stars Halbro, the most highly sponsored show of all. Producers spend time making show hosts look great. They do their job as well as Quinn Hughes can skate. The dogs are both working it. Their money well earned. Checking textures named Gary. Hashtag what we learned. If you ask us anything, we'll tell you it's true. All the people at Sportsnet make one super crew. You do a great job, everyone. Please take a bow. Merry Christmas to all. May I have a moo cow? From Kevin, the former cabbie. Damn. Thanks, Kevin.
0: Kevin. The former captain. No, that was really good. He's now a poet. That was awe-inspiring. I moved to
1: tears.
3: Thanks for the music, Laddie. I appreciate that. That
1: was That's really good. well done. I'm also reminded of that uh, SNL skit with uh, William Shatner at the SN- uh, at the uh, Star Trek convention when he's like, "It's just a TV show. Get <laughs> a <laughs> <Good> life, people. <laughs> you over there. You ever kissed a girl?" <laughs> I
3: resent you must be thirty. <laughs>
1: yeah, I reset my question.
3: <laughs> How right. do you get the wizard's key? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you talking
0: about? In the itchy and scratchy CD-ROM. Can okay, I do, can I do a quick what we learned?
4: Yeah, I know we already said the No, 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 right
0: you go, please. Uh,
4: I have a quick question. Uh, what were what you guys? What were okay. you guys doing when you were fourteen years old?
3: Uh... <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Uh, running home from school
4: to take a shower? Yeah, uh, Was you it sco- go- was it scoring two goals in the WHL? Uh, okay, you're going, yeah, this is because good. Because Jackson we clean it back up, yeah. Jacobson of the Brandon Wheat Kings scored two goals before his 15th birthday, which is today, by the way. 14, and he had a two-goal debut in the Western Hockey League. That is just... So it's his birthday yeah. today, right? He's 15 today? Yeah, he's 15 today. today. Dang. That is incredible stuff. Uh,
0: So, shout out to this kid. One, he's got the most WHL name of all time. It's Jackson, Mm J-A-X-O-N, which is great, right? He can now hang out with Braden, Jaden, Caden, and Layden. Uh, And also, I find it... Bizarre that you can. I, I mean, I guess they have those underage exemptions. It's the only league that you can do it. Yeah, fourteen seems
1: <laughs> fourteen seems real young. you
0: scoring two a night? I remember going I again. Mean, yeah, yeah, in that, my
1: day, he would have got his clock clean. Right. After that, I, right? Like you I know? said, like the the twenty year old on the team with the full beard would have come after him.
0: We have talked about this in the past that when the Vancouver Giants first came here, it was still the wild, wild west. Dub. like you'd go mm. and get a
1: couple beers and go to the Coliseum and watch I don't know well, 17 don't, fights don't miss the opening face off because if Robin Big Snake was right. out there he was dropping the gloves I just but, and, but it was and the refs would be like well
4: let him go Yeah, <laughs> don't forget you, to take your helmets off guys this is how you learn but this, this Jacob's again he's, he's eligible for the 2027 draft oh, and he man. has 34 points in 12 games with his U18 oh. team that's just that's awesome yeah. congratulations to him yeah. good job really laddie crazy. well done
0: okay uh, we've already printed out everything right Yeah, we fired. Okay, Uh, here's an unsigned one, but this is an interesting one. So it must be from Gary. hashtag WWO What we learned. Thinking about Kuzmenko reminds me of what Ray Ferraro has always said about goal scorers Ray used himself as an example of his one season of scoring forty. That didn't mean he was a forty goal scorer. He was a twenty goal scorer because that's what he'd done more often. It's not apples to apples, but Kuzmenko in five KHL seasons never scored more than twenty, and we know what he did last season. He's just a 20-goal guy, which is still good. Okay. Um, I don't hate the analogy, Gary. I like... And I've heard Ray say that before. I think the issue with Kuzmenko isn't exactly what you're talking about, though. I think what you're talking about is he came... What everyone should be talking about is he came in, scored 39 on a bad team, had an unsustainable shooting percentage, and then they gave him quite a bit of money. Not a ton of term, but they also gave him a 12-team no-trade clause. So it kind of hamstrung them a little bit. And our biggest issue, at least my biggest issue, was twofold. One, what happens when the inevitable regression comes? And two, even last
1: year I was asking, does Taka really like this guy? Yeah. And none of that mm. has changed. The and regression's talked, happened. And how often have we talked about the alignment between the management and the coaching staff? Yeah, like I don't think
0: Kuzmenko's a bad player. I think Kuzmenko's got a ton of talent. I'm not sure Andre Kuzmenko is a Rick Tockett guy. I don't think Rick Tockett's an Andre Kuzmenko coach, if we're being perfectly honest. Like sometimes there are just bad fits, mm-hmm. which makes the contract strange. Because this management group, I would say there's not many management groups who've been more vocal in their praise of the things that a new coach has installed and instilled in their team. And everything that Kuzmenko is kind of doing right now runs counterintuitive to talking hockey.
1: Nick in the Ridge, what we learned that last night, ex-Canuck Goody did a baddie and added himself to Santa's naughty list. After going full 80s mode on Nick Cousins, ex-Canuck Goody did a baddie and added himself to Santa's naughty list. I, I loved seeing that. I've I seen that you know, like yeah. just go take care of business by yourself, and good might get suspended for it, but I'm sure his teammates support him in that well, you can't have guys running around hitting hitting guys from behind it's it's super super dangerous, and I think the NHL needs to have some clarification on that you know they've done this before, I think about when they Clamp down on, uh, you know, slashing of the wrists because you know, I think it was Calgary at the time was complaining because Johnny Gaudreau was getting yeah. hacked all the time, and they clamped down on that. You know, we don't want to see some player break his neck out there, and there needs to be some sort of ruling on whether or not they're going to allow this or not, or whether or not. It matters if a guy turns his back on the play or if he shoulder checks beforehand or if he gets hurt on the play. Like, Mm. I don't think players going into forecheck now have any idea what they're allowed to do if a defenseman has his back turned.
0: Right. And then we live in the modern NHL where a big hit like that, uh, legal or not, and oftentimes it's not, uh, it's almost become... Frontier justice is the expected, right? Like, don't get me wrong, Gabranson's Goodbranson, uh, was over the top. Like, he just wailed on the guy, but I have I was, zero problem with that. None. Because the referees did not hold Cousins to account. As a matter of fact, they gave him a skate, they gave him a mm. pass. Cousins should have, he, he, he shouldn't have turtled twice. <laughs> <laughs> he shouldn't have turtled. Like at a, Good cer- he's old school though. Yeah, Like but, he, he, he really is. So this happened about five times over the weekend. So there was a hit that the Minnesota Wild hated that uh, Evander Kane put on Jonas Brodin and knocked him out for a while. No penalty on that one. There was one where newly acquired Sabres forward Eric Robinson hit Montreal defenseman Justin Barron, and Kyle Ocpozo Pozo actually spoke out about the inconsistencies. That <laughs> did he get called for it? Uh, Robinson did. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then you go down the line, and there were about five or six really bad hits this weekend, really bad moments. Mm-hmm. where the And oftentimes the players ended up taking the justice into their own hands because I think they feel like we have to do something to mitigate this because the officiating is too inconsistent. There's not a consistent punishment from the refs, so we're going to do this ourselves. The problem is... And you know, good Branson going after cousins was one thing. I don't know if everybody saw what David Perron did to Artem Zub. I didn't ap- see that, no. <sighs> what I happened? mean he cross checked the dude like in the neck face head. Like right. aggressively. It was a match penalty. Did you did you see it, Laddie?
4: I saw he was getting a hearing, but Yeah, I didn't see like the play. I
0: mean, if that goes bad and he hits him like the wrong way or something, mm. like, he's doing major damage. Like that was intent to
1: intent to injure match penalty. I like this one from Andrew and Victoria after that conversation. What we learned? Nice to see some hate back in some NHL games over the weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, all this, yeah. you know, <laughs> violence works.
0: I mean, I was going to ask David. <laughs> sells,
1: <laughs> sell's interest in the I game. I was going to
0: ask David Amber earlier, did you notice on the, because they were working national all weekend. <laughs> so all the panelists and everything, like every night there was at least two instances of really bad hits. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because we're past the quarter point and points are becoming imperative and the competitive nature is well, getting. guys does don't like being hit from behind. Well, that's that the that other part it of it, right? Like, don't rash, mash my face into the boards, yeah.
1: please. Yeah, like like Good Branson could have been very seriously injured. Yeah, you know, I know that, the the up. big the big one we all worry about with hitting from behind is you know breaking your neck, getting paralyzed, which has happened more than a few times in hockey. But like when your face goes up against that dasher too, like you can just wreck your face. It's mm-hmm. extremely dangerous, and I just think the NHL needs some clarification on it. Like, are you allowed to do it or not? Tambo and East Van, what we learned using Bruff's economy slash soft landing analysis for the Canucks, I've learned that so far, the team losses as well as individual player slumps have not been that hard a landing that we feared as fans. No more than a two-game losing streak and consistency when it comes to the top six scoring. Yeah, so in case you missed this analogy, I'm like, okay, the Canucks are going to regress. But is it going to be a soft landing or is it going to be a hard landing, i.e., are they going to be able to play good enough hockey to still get them into the playoffs or are they going to collapse in a big way? And I think Tambo's bang on on this. Like, yeah, they've had a few wobbles and they've lost a few games, but they haven't allowed those losses to turn into, you know, the snowballing effect or as Rick Taka would put it, the pinballing effect. (laughs) where you lose like eight games in a row and the sky is falling and you're holding like these emergency press conferences because Quinn Hughes said that Tanner Pearson's injury wasn't handled well and, you know, 32 Thoughts is constantly leading off with the Canucks about like the latest like disaster that's happening to the franchise. They are regressing in a stable way, if that makes sense. And I think getting that game from Petey, uh, over the weekend against the Carolina Hurricanes, my hope is that whatever inconsistency he's been having, and he kind of admitted, like, he's not, he hasn't been, I can't remember exactly how he put it. Oh, he said he wasn't, maybe maybe allowed that he wasn't in a groove lately. Hopefully he can find his way back to that groove that we saw earlier in the season. Uh, you know what's helped
0: the soft landing? And I don't, maybe we haven't, it's only been a handful of games, five, or sorry, four uh, the Zadorov acquisition. Uh, just it, him taking some of the minutes away. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, go look at the box score from the win over Carolina. Quinn Hughes didn't play that much, and Quinn Hughes didn't play that great. And I think under other circumstances, like when you have Juleson, Friedman, Hirose, McWard take your pick in the lineup, you'd probably struggle a hell of a lot more. Zadorov played twenty, almost 21 minutes. He's come in, he's been, it's funny because he's not the most stabilizing force because he kind of plays reckless, but fun. But uh, that's been a big, big help. And it just hasn't jumped to the forefront. But that, I mean, look, we came in here when things first started to wobble, when they were mixing wins and losses and it looked like it might crater a bit. And we said the blue line is a huge area of concern for this team. Yeah. They're not going to be able to go the distance with Friedman and Julson and Harausse and McWard playing significant minutes. They addressed it. So the come in. And in the aftermath of the win over Carolina on the weekend, um, Rick Tockett actually praised Noah Julson He's like, I think Noah julson has been really good for us the last few games. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because less is required of him now. And, you know, when he's playing 15, 16 a night and he keeps it
1: simple. You can live with it, and I think the Zdorov deal had a lot to do with that. Dan in Brentwood, what we learned this weekend, I learned expectations truly are the root of disappointment. For, quote, he who expects nothing shall never be disappointed. Why did us Jays fans ever think we would get Otani? I tried to warn him. We're now seeing the blowback uh, for the Jays trying and failing to land Otani and you might say well that's unfair because they were never expected to land Otani they gave their best shot they nearly get it done got it done and now they're just in the exact same place that they were before so are you going to criticize them for going for it in logically that makes sense right but I think the expectations and the excitement like on Friday most of us were convinced that Otani was coming to the Blue Jays right uh, they, like based on the reports, all it signs wasn't were just, pointing. Yeah, yeah, all signs were pointing to so that sushi and there were, restaurant. There were, um, you know, reports coming not from some random guy on the internet, from credible reporters. Well, I don't know how credible anymore, but like reporters <laughs> that that said basically, you know, indicated that Otani was coming to Toronto, and there'd be no reason for him to come to Toronto and be like, uh, no, right? right. Like, they, like I, there were reports that there was going to be a press conference and. Then it just all fell apart, and Jays fans are now, like, in this state of, like, I'm mad about this. Mm -hmm. I'm upset about this. I was getting really excited. I was getting excited. I'm not even, like, the hugest Jays fan anymore. And I was like, man. Like, talk about a storyline for us to talk about.
0: Uh, before we go, I do want to um, address something of a serious nature, and that was over the weekend. Uh, longtime former Canucks broadcaster Joey Kenward, of course part of the family here at Sportsnet 650. Uh, he was diagnosed with leukemia, and he made that announcement on Saturday night over the weekend. Um, our thoughts and everything, prayers, everything are with Joey and his family right now. We know him well. He's always contributing to the show. We talk quite often, so if you would like to say anything as we head out yeah, we're today. We're thinking about you,
1: Joey. Yeah, we're thinking
0: about you, bud. Stay strong and all the best. We got to get out of here for today. We will be back tomorrow. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A Dog and he's been Laddie. This has been the Health and Bruff show on Sportsnet
2: 650.